Welcome back to Ask Uncle Lee. That's the first one of 2024. <laughs> right. Sorry, I forgot to put my hat on last month. Um, I recorded them, the last three, I think, on all on the same day. And realised afterwards I forgot to put my hat on. So, got my hat on today. So we're all good. All right. Um, all right, so oh, before we do that, let's get into the introduction. Welcome to my channel. You are entering the world of magic and mysticism with your host, Lee W. Johnson. Keep the lights on and help improve the channel by becoming a supporter for just $2.99 per month. Hit the join button. Okay then. Um, first question, and as always, if you have any questions, please put them in the comments. Um, I was starting to run out of questions. I've got uh, five or six now, so we can carry on for a couple of weeks, but we need to keep going. So uh, ask your questions, put them in the comments, and I'll add them to the list. Okay, thank you for that. So first question is from Max Blizzard. Uh, thanks, Uncle Lee. Question for next time. I have bought some occult tarot cards, mainly as some demons communicate through tarot. These cards are demons from the lesser key. The creator states in the book that comes with it that you must set up a crescent of red candles and other things so that you can trap the entity in the space. Reading it, it, all, it it's all very Solomonic. My question is, if I balance my space with the elemental kings, would it be safe to use the cards? I'm not keen on all the doom and gloom or trapping demons to do my will. Um, I know we don't do that. I just want to communicate with them and receive answers to questions and messages from them. I'm not about creating crescents with candles, etc., etc. My space always feels peaceful and lovely and balanced when I'm working in there. I don't think I need to be so dramatic. Thanks in advance. No, you definitely don't need to be so dramatic uh, with crescent. What? Crescents, crescents of red, red candles and other things. Um, no, you'll probably find that the the um, creator of the cards themselves, the deck, just decided to create a whole load of stuff just to make it sound a bit more um, interesting. Um, yeah, I mean the thing is with with cards with tarot there's a lot of things you can do with tarot you can take journeys with them you can um you know use them for a variety of different things but obviously the first thing that most people go to is to divine what's going on how the energies are flowing and things like that so if you're looking to get messages from the spirits from the demons using this this occult tarot deck then you just use it. That's really it. Um, do you need to balance the space? Yes and no. Um, you know, if you, it's exactly the same as doing any kind of magical working. If you feel like your space isn't balanced, though, there's something off off kilter, then you know, cast a, um, a elemental balancing circle um, to bring all those energies into a good equilibrium. But uh, if you feel it's not necessary, then don't. Um, you know, a lot of the time when I work with, with spirits, I don't use a circle at all. I don't construct anything um, because my space is kind of always there, always ready type of thing. Because um, I'm always there and always ready. Um, but 
occasionally I feel like I need some kind of cleansing or some kind of balancing and I'll do the work that's necessary to achieve that, uh, to bring myself into a proper balanced state. Um, but otherwise, it's up to you. It's how you feel. Even just, um, you know, talking about tarot itself, some readers will do a little ritual or ceremony before they do, before they read. Others won't. Um, they may do something smaller, but a lot of a lot of people will cast a circle. Um, they will actually do a protective circle around them before they start reading, and that's absolutely perfectly fine. Um, but it becomes a personal thing and something that you need to decide what to do. But in this particular instance, do you need to? I mean, you're not. I don't think you're really calling the spirits into your space, and in the same manner we would. Um, as per the Solomonic Grimoires, um, in order to read the cards, you are. I mean, in order, if if that were the case in this particular instance with this deck of cards, you would have to call all. I'm assuming there's 78 cards, because um, there's 78 cards in a deck of tarot, as far as I remember. Um, anyway, whatever the number is, you would have to call all of those spirits into your circle because you don't know what's going to come up so as you this is if you're doing a random random like reading or something like that and you're not specifically picking out the card of a, of a particular spirit if you're doing something random you would have to call all of those spirits all 78 of them into the space then deal then do the cards and see which spirits um, are trying to communicate with you which ones are trying to um, bring you a message but you would have to call all of them first if you're doing it in this in this fashion. That's very impractical, extremely, extremely impractical. Um, so in this case, if you were doing a random reading, you would lay out the cards and then you would see which spirits are trying to communicate with you, give you, send you a message, give you a message. Um, but it doesn't mean you're calling them to your space. So the idea that you have to form a, a crescent of red candles and do all this stuff to trap the spirit. Which spirit? Which spirit is going to pop up from the cards? So which one do you call first? If, as I said, you are pulling a particular card to work with that particular spirit, then that's a different story. That's that's exactly the same as if you, if you uh, want to work with a particular spirit, you then draw the sigil of the spirit. And instead of pulling a card, you just draw a sigil. And that's the type of work you would be doing. But, um, yeah, no, it's... You don't have to do it exactly as the person, the creator of the, the deck told you. It's just something they probably added to make it sound more interesting, um, to give it a selling point, a marketing ploy, things like that. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. Um, all right, next question. RCBM. Okay, oh yeah, this is a continuation of the the cursing question you asked. Okay, uh, let's give this curse thing a twist, shall we? What about demons? I mean, especially if you believe these are real beings, as you do, um, they are powerful and can do many things. So how come they can't break down a person's defense or strong will in a case like this to deliver a curse that they were asked to manifest? Okay, so 
this kind of comes down to the question of when you call a spirit to when you petition a spirit to and ask them to do a particular thing for you um do does the spirit itself go off and do the thing or do you borrow the energy from the spirit to do it yourself to manifest it yourself and that's where the problem comes in most people think that you call the spirit into your space and if you're doing it in the proper Solomonic grimoire fashion, the ceremonial magic fashion, you're trapping the spirit in a space, you are threatening it with fire and brimstone and all the rest of the stuff um, and you are forcing it to go off and do what you want it to do. So in this case, curse, give um, or curse a particular person. So you're sending the spirit off to go and curse a particular person. And then you just sit back and wait for the results. You're not actually doing anything. All you're doing is the evocation and telling. It's, it's basically slavery. So does it work that way? In my understanding, absolutely not. What happens is you call the spirit into your space. You speak to it. You tell it what you want. And then it will give you the energy you need in order to make to, to affect a change. Um, now, how that actually functions, how it moves, how it goes, is we can debate this for the rest of our lives and beyond. Um, in my own understanding, my own belief, when we do a working with a spirit, and I'm going to focus on your question, which is the curse thing. Um, I want to curse a particular person that is across the world, for instance. Uh, it's not in my immediate vicinity, in my environment. So I call the spirit. I say, I want to call, I want to curse X, Y, and Z. Um, therefore, what happens is the spirit has that particular energy. They give it to you in a fashion. Um, and then it gets passed on, it gets moved, it gets directed to the target. So it's the energy that, that gets directed to the target. The spirit doesn't like waddle off and go and say, blah, 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 curse the person and then waddle back and tell you the results. It's the energy which gets built up and then directed. And that can be done in a manner of different, a, a different, a lot of different ways. Um, you know, raising the kind of power, um, any kind of energy work where you're raising the energy and then you're, you're throwing it or directing it at a target. That's the type of work you're doing when you're working with spirits. It's just that they come with a particular form of energy, a particular vibration, and then you resonate at the same vibrational frequency as that, that particular energy. And then that gets pushed, gets directed, gets thrown out, gets, um, whatever it goes to the target itself that target can be a person that target can be an idea um, that target can be um, your finances your, that target can be habits that target can be anything um, but it's the energy which gets sent to um, the, the, the target itself so you're actually doing the work and we can look at this in the same fashion as we may be individual entities, but we are all part of the same body. And therefore, when you call a spirit, and this is where the, the idea of the 
um, the spirits being archetypes versus or, or parts of the psyche versus actual individual entities. So the, the hard polytheism versus the soft polytheism or whatever, pantheism, whatever thism we're talking about. Um, but this is where that idea comes in, is that when we call a spirit, um, we are that spirit. We are not, although it is individual, we are that spirit and they are us, as we are all things and all things are us. So we, what we're kind of doing is we are uh, activating a particular energy within us. And when I say within us, we're talking about the the combination of or the the relationship with the microcosm to the to the macrocosm um so the entire cosmos is us it's in us we are the microcosm which represents the, the macrocosm um, and this is where things get very very complicated and difficult to explain um so you know we call a spirit to us that spirit is already us and we are already that spirit and therefore we are activating particular energy and that that frequency that vibration then becomes what we what we we become the energy itself and then the energy gets moved to directed at thrown at pointed at the the target that we're actually aiming for um so there's a whole debate we could go into and it could carry on and on and on and on. But uh, I think you get what I'm trying to say. All right, so let's move on to the next question. Uh, let's see, I think I'll just do one more. I don't want to run out of questions. Um, okay, full moon, full moon Rapunzel. There we go. Hi, Lee, I hope you are doing well. I am, thank you very much. Um... I was hoping for one of your ASCII videos, you could go in, you know, go more, go into more information on raising Kundalini energy and the correct or proper ways to go about raising that energy so it wouldn't be self-destructive. I have always been deeply interested in Kundalini energy and I really love how you teach things and share your wisdom. Uh, thank you for any input you might be able to share to me. Okay, so Kundalini energy uh you know we kundalini obviously works with the chakra system which is very much focused on the hindu technologies hindu philosophies the tantric system um therefore specifically regarding that system um it would actually be more beneficial to um get a guru find a guru um, and allow them to instruct you and guide you through. Um, it's not always the way people do things, and it's not always possible. Um, but when we're talking about raising Kundalini, it's about raising the energy from the root to the crown and causing the union of opposites. Um, so we can have a look at this in terms of the hexagram. We have fire and water, masculine and feminine, and those two come into union. Um, this is a similar thing where you are raising the uh, energy from the root, which is the feminine, the, the shakti energy uh, is moving up the spine and it's, it's progressively moving up. Um, and as it moves up, it kind of awakens, enlivens, cleanses um, each of the, the, the main energy centers, and then hits goes into the third eye and then 
there's a there's a combination that happens. Shiva then gets united with Shakti. There's a, a union of masculine and feminine, etc., etc. But then what happens? The energy comes back down again. So it circulates, it keeps going and going, and you have different emanations. So we can view this in a variety of different ways. Um, one is that each each main chakra, each main energy center, is actually a world. Um, and as we progress, we break through each of the worlds going up. Um, and each world is then a, a different emanation. Um, therefore, we can actually look at it in terms of the um, Kabbalistic tree of life. Don't get them mixed up. Um, there are a lot of differences. But the similarities come in that when we're progressing up the tree through the, the lightning bolt pattern, we are moving from one world to another world along the path, and we're moving up the tree. And each each time we move to the, to the next world, um, it's a different emanation of the entire cosmos. So you know, there's a lot of ways we can look at how this actually, why we do this, how it works, what is actually happening, and things like that. But you're moving from the root, from the base, from the foundation. Um, in the perineum, in the the, the uh, base of the spine, where that, that first chakra is. Um, and then you're moving up and progressively becoming, moving through those those different emanations. Um, so you're breaking through each of the worlds. Now, the best way to do this, as I said, is get a guru. Um, but that's not always possible. Um, if you are going to be doing this on your own, do not... Um, apply any instructions from anybody that say you can you can awaken your Kundalini in a month or something like that. Um, it's possible. You can do it. You will probably end up with incredible headaches. Uh, you may even have psychosis. Um, the results are not um, favorable if you do it in that fashion. And you know, some people say they have they wake they they woke up their awakened their kundalini in a week, and they were fine. It's probably because they've already gone through a whole process that they've awakened it before, and all it's done as the energy comes up and unites, it comes back down again, and then we progress through another level, um, and and we keep doing that over and over and over again. So somebody probably went through that process, and they may not even even know they went through that process and then it came back down and you know then they worked again from the root but on a different basis on a different level and then they had this awakening and they think oh i didn't a week no they didn't um or they're just delusional they think they had a kundalini awakening they didn't it it's it, it was probably something which is similar to what people have explained a Kundalini awakening to be, and they thought, I've had a Kundalini awakening, and they probably didn't. Um, you know, it's it's difficult to say. I don't know. I don't know the people. I haven't experienced... I didn't experience exactly what they experienced, so I can't really tell you. But anyway, getting back to the proper way to do it. So, get a guru. If you can't get a guru, then the best way to do it there's actually um, a book called Kundalini Tantra by um, Swami Satchinanda Saraswati. And that I would consider to be the best system to do this. Now, when you read that book, you'll note that um, I'll put a link to the book on Amazon because 
you know, trying to collect money commissions on Amazon so I can buy books to review on here. So I'll put the link up here. Um, but um, the process that he explains, it can take at least a year. It can, it, it, if you actually do it properly, the awakening of Kundalini can take like 12 years, a decade, um, something like that. It's not something that happens overnight. It's not something that can be done in a month or a week or something like that. It, it's it's a long process. It really is a long process because there's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot you have to practice. But he gives you a whole program to go through. And what he suggests is a lot of people will tell you to start with a root. He actually starts with the third eye, Ajna. And... Um, the reason for that is that once you've opened and awakened the third eye, you then move down to the root. You work on the root and then you work on the sacral. When you start working on the sacral, you have a lot of um, latent um, guilt, sexual guilt that can be awakened and come to the surface. If you have not opened your third eye and created an objective mind, that becomes very difficult to deal with if you're doing this practice properly. Um, it's going to awaken, it's going to come to the surface, and it can be extremely difficult to deal with. But if you've created, already created an objective mind, it becomes a lot easier to deal with. And that then allows you to move from that point, to break through that barrier and move to the next chakra. And then you can carry on moving up. But that sacral point is very difficult for a lot of people to break through because of that, the sexual guilt and the sexual, um, even the sexual urges that, are, that arise from it. And it's a very kind of animalistic based type of sexual urge. And you then have to overcome that and bring it into um, a state of it being, um, I would say, uh, a divine type of sexual urge. Um it's not that animalistic, um, you know, uh, reproductive type of urge that you get. You transform it into something different. And once you can transform it, then you can break through that, that barrier and then you move on. And then when you get to the throat, there's another barrier there and you have to break through that barrier. And I find this interesting if we do compare it to, to the Kabbalistic tree of life. Um, the throat is where we find art the abyss and you know when we're moving through the tree of life we have to cross the abyss and that becomes a very difficult process so it's the same thing when you get to the throat you've got to break through this this barrier and that's a very difficult barrier to break through and a lot of people can't do it so you know you've got all these processes and these points that you have to get to and you have to break through um it's definitely not something you can do in a month really really isn't um unless you are really you, you are awakening kundalini energy on your root and you're making it shoot through all the chakras that can be very disturbing it can be very damaging to your entire system um so it's better to do it progressively do it slowly awaken each chakra as it should be slowly and you know really get it um opened and, and well at least opened but um get the energy moving the way it should be moving um, and really understand what's happening before you progress to the next level. Um, you know, it's, I guess it would kind of be like going through school 
you have all these grades or degrees or levels that you go through. Sorry, excuse the gardeners in the garden making his noise. Um, you have all these degrees and classes and levels that you have to go through from to progress. As you go through age, you go through these classes, these grades. And if you just go from grade 1 through to grade 12, or whatever it is, immediately, like within a week, you're not going, you're going to miss out a lot of stuff and you're not going to understand. Um, you get to grade 12 and you don't know what the fuck's going on now. Um, it's the same thing. If you cause that Kundalini serpent to shoot up um, without doing all the preparation beforehand, you can end up with psychosis and incredibly bad headaches. Like last and last and last. So, um, yeah, definitely do it progressively. Do not do it quickly and do it properly. Follow some proper instructions on how to do it. Um, anyway, that's my advice for that. Okay, so definitely ending that today because we're on, that's carried on quite a long time. Okay, uh, I'll see you next week for more questions. Have a good one for now. And thanks. Cheers. Bye bye.